This program is about unsolved mysteries. That undermanned police departments are listening to tips from amateur sleuths investigating cold cases. I think because I'm in search and rescue, I get to see things that most people don't. I've tried a lot of hobbies. Now I'm on the hunt for my next hobby. Some common, some not so much. This week. What do you, what do you think happened? <sighs> Unsolved mysteries. You're listening to That's a Hobby. I pin up some pictures and articles on my wall, attach strings to pins to connect the dots and try to solve some unsolved mysteries. Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, the story of a lonely housewife in Maine. I don't know if there's a genre of TV or podcast more popular than true crime or who done it. There's always been fictional detective shows, but the last decade solving real crimes as a form of entertainment has been booming. There were the non-fiction documentaries like The Thin Blue Line and the famous non-fiction shows like Unsolved Mysteries and America's Most Wanted. I actually have vivid memories of being terrified watching Unsolved Mysteries, and to this day that intro you heard still gives me goosebumps. America's Most Wanted was a regular on our TV every Saturday night after Cops. True crime seems to have lost some of its popularity in the early 2000s and then exploded again in the mid-2010s, with 2015's Making a Murderer on Netflix, 2014's Serial Podcast, and the 2015 HBO series The Jinx. The Jinx was especially important because Robert Durst, the prime suspect, was being interviewed, forgot that he was Mike, went to the bathroom, and confessed his crimes. There it is. People couldn't get enough, and soon communities on the internet do what they do and try to affect the real world by trying to solve unsolved mysteries and murders. Fortunately, though, there are plenty of people online with loads of time on their hands. Social media can give key evidence in a case that would have been much more difficult to find in the past. There are no shortages of mysteries. There's approximately 250,000 unsolved murders in the U.S. alone. I always wondered who's looking for those people if I'm not. And to give Unsolved Mysteries credit, it did lead to the solving of more than 260 unsolved crimes. An amateur detective and a scientist with Time to Kill claim they've discovered the identity of the UK's most infamous serial killer, Jack the Ripper. Being what the internet is, true crime and conspiracies tend to go hand in hand. Since Unsolved Mysteries aired in the 80s, people's perception has been that crime, especially violent crime, is always around the corner, and a lot of it goes unsolved. A 2011 study from Nebraska showed a correlation between those who consume true crime entertainment and an increase of fear being victimized. Worse yet is that it leads to an increase of support for death penalty and less support for the justice system. I read this as a decrease in empathy. Besides the effects it has on those who consume it, true crime also affects victims and their families by sensationalizing their experiences and forcing them to relive it, since true crime doesn't really depend on their approval. Writers, for example, choose how closely they follow journalistic, fact-based styles or sensationalized styles that leave out details in order to tell whatever story the writer wants to tell. This leads to books, podcasts, and shows about the same crimes contradicting each other. 
Amateur detectives can also slow down investigations by creating a lot of noise and distractions, especially when they claim to be psychics or self-proclaimed forensics experts, leading to countless dead-end tips and calls. There's a real risk in crowdsourcing. Then there's the obvious wrong suspect problem of internet vigilantism. The most recent notable case of the Boston Marathon bombings where the internet went crazy circling suspicious people. Well, the marathon was a highly photographed event and the authorities continue to pour over every image. But they're not alone. Online, self-deputized amateurs are doing the same thing, hoping to find something the investigators have missed. Going as far as harassing the family of a missing person. Unfortunately, you know, there's a pretty heavy cost to taking the law into our own hands. Things get pretty scary when citizens start going after other citizens. So you've watched CSI, you're good at Googling things, and you want to solve some cold cases. Where do you start? Well, first, you should know, according to retired U.S. Marshal Art Roderick, the host for CrowdSolve, you're going to be doing a lot of reading, I can tell you that. I can spend 50, 60 hours a week on a case where, on one case, focused solely on that, where law enforcement cannot do that. There's etiquette you should follow as you read and learn about active investigations, like limiting how much you share with friends and on social media out of respect for the families and the police who are investigating. The last part is a problem in general with social media and police investigations. Again, with the Boston bombings, I remember people posting about police searches in real time, giving away their position to would-be suspects. Keep in mind that working on unsolved murders is not like sprinting, it's like running a marathon. So set your expectations. If you have any chance of providing value or winning the detective lottery of solving a case, expect to spend days or weeks poring over hundreds of pages of documents and going down hundreds of dead ends. So where should you put your time? Well, there's a few common areas, and depending on how much data is actually available. You could study crime photos to uncover a new perspective or detail. You can profile people of interest, their motives, their means, and the opportunity. You can profile the victim or victims, relationships between victims and offenders, the interactions between victims and the criminal justice system, that is, the police, the courts, the corrections officials, and the connections between victims and other social groups and institutions such as the media, businesses, and social movements. And lastly, you can study the victim's genealogy. You study their families, their family history, and trace their lineage. This one is actually reported to have the highest success rate since most victims know their perpetrators. Let's talk about genealogy a little bit. This can happen online and offline and overlaps with the other methods. In one example, volunteers trace the origins of a young woman they believe to be a missing person back more than a century all the way across to Europe. They had traced outlines of her life by digging through public records and MySpace profiles. They had done all that from their living rooms, but they didn't stop there. They actually retraced the person's final steps. Through small clues in the video, people of the internet were able to find a group photograph, which led to identifying a restaurant where the attackers had eaten that night. Then they looked at Facebook's check-in feature to see who was there the night of the crime. It took them only two hours to find the identities of the criminals. Again, set your expectations realistically. While some people may be okay to speak to you, don't be surprised when families block you or don't reply. Some families, though, are pretty happy to hear from a stranger who cares. 
The scientific breakthrough of genealogy came along a few years ago with 23andMe and Ancestry.com. Volunteers actually convinced law enforcement to submit DNA from unidentified bodies to those sites to uncover new familial connections. My wife, my mom, and I submitted our DNA to 23andMe out of curiosity, but we didn't find anything interesting. Neither any unknown family branches or ancestors, but it's still cool to get emails every few months letting me know about new third or fourth cousins who've been added to the site. Unlike professional labs that test for dozens of genetic markers to find immediate family, these services test for hundreds of markers, finding more extended family. It's the same system used by organizations who try to connect adopted children with their biological parents and families. Those findings can be connected to public records and social media profiles shining a light into the corner of cold cases. Here's one example that involved a 21-year-old Jane Doe. Her DNA led to a first cousin once removed, which led to her biological mother, who had actually died the same year Jane Doe went missing, which explained why a missing person report was never filed. And then that led to her MySpace page, which is actually on archive.org since MySpace isn't actually around. And then that led to her high school friend and finally to Jane Doe's actual identity. That case took years to solve and involved somewhat obsessed amateur detectives on Reddit. While it could be tough for victims' families, amateur detectives end up keeping cases alive. I mean, active. I say obsessed because besides spending hundreds of volunteer hours solving mysteries, actually solving one leads to mixed emotions. Said one amateur detective, you want to have a party, jump up and down. Oh, but wait, we can't have that attitude. She struggled to suddenly let go of the case that had consumed her every waking hours for weeks. Unsolved Mysteries is not all about missing people and murders. Some mysteries involve stolen property, something some of us are familiar with. Now that there are apps like Find My Whatever, we can easily find stolen phones, tablets, and computers. I actually had to use Find My Phone to find my, you guessed it, phone, after it had slipped out of my pocket in a field when I biked to work one morning. Similar stories include laptops with software that activates the webcam to take pictures of thieves and uploads them to the internet. There's a famous story from 2011 of a stolen laptop and 12,000 people on Twitter solving a case without the police. Then there are those mysteries that take expertise that police may not have, like a hit and run where the only clue is a small blue body panel from a car. Internet car enthusiasts got together and they linked it to a 2000 Ford F-150, leading to the apprehension of two suspects. Speaking of getting together, through gaming and more intimate social networks, like-minded strangers across the country and world become friends and support each other. There are many stories of these support systems saving lives. Like one where a young girl going through a bout of depression posted she was going to take her own life, and her followers using the minimal information they had figured out which high school she attended to alert local authorities just in time to make it to her after she had swallowed a bottle of pills. I love mysteries. It's my favorite genre of books, going back to the 90s with the Hardy Boys and Goosebumps. Then there were the shows I mentioned, and then there was Batman, the animated series, and X-Files. In the 2000s, there was Prison Break, The Shield, The Wire, and the nonfiction The First 48. There's really never been a shortage of mystery and detective books, shows, and movies. The only difference now is that the internet and its communities have been added to the mix. It's not a surprise though, is it? The internet, since its early days, has been a place to ask questions and crowdsource answers. 
I've talked about how I use Reddit to help me troubleshoot things and get recommendations. It's not much of an extension to use it to crowdsource unsolved mysteries. I like solving mysteries too, like why both my cars decided to not start the same day, or why my internet stopped working but my ISP said there was no issue on their end, or how to deal with a four-year-old's temper tantrum without scarring her or myself. But I can't see myself dedicating hundreds of hours to meticulously studying details for the 10th time and working on something for weeks, months, or years without guaranteed resolution. I already can't deal with watching TV shows anymore because they might get cancelled. I am, unfortunately, the new generation of people who needs immediate resolutions. It's not really of a mystery that solving unsolved mysteries is not really a hobby for me. Someone somewhere who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone is watching. Perhaps it's you. Hey, listen, I want you to know that your time is valuable to me. And the fact that you spent it listening means a lot. So thank you. Please remember to subscribe wherever you listen and maybe tell a friend or two. If you've tried this hobby or you have hobby ideas for me, let me know on Twitter or Instagram. See you next week.